Good evening and welcome to episode 358 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamantungwa Kumalo. It's a Friday edition. It actually even feels weird saying that because in my head, today's Thursday and we're still going to have a, another episode tomorrow. But it's a Friday edition of the Private Property Podcast. And if you're joining us for the first time, you are tuned into the leading property podcast in South Africa. Africa catering to your property needs and of course make sure you uh, certainly be able to get us there and to all our regular viewers on Facebook on Instagram on Twitter uh, as well as on YouTube welcome to it you know how we do every single weekday you and I have an appointment at 7 p.m. where I'm always in conversation with a property expert who helps us make better property decisions doesn't matter where you are in the property journey this is a show that helps you along your property journey and of course you can also catch a whole host of other the shows that Private Property has every single weekday at 8 p.m. As it's a Friday, Chad will be uh, closing off the week with us uh, with the Home Shoppers Show. And that comes to your screens every Mondays and Fridays at 8 p.m. And every Tuesdays and Thursdays, Umbalino brings you the Farming Podcast, tackling all things agriculture there on the Farming Podcast. And of course, on Wednesdays, you've got Esty Klaassen bringing you the first-time home buyer show, which is always in conversation with people who've not only walked that first-time home buying journey, but have gone on to grow their property portfolios from strength to strength. And then, of course, there's myself, Ozamatunga Kumalo, on your screens every single weekday at 7 p.m. And always talking all things relating to property. So do keep the love coming. I absolutely love hearing from you on the social media pages, especially on Facebook. I want to see all those green hearts. And, of course, uh, welcoming some of the new members of the family. And this evening, we're going to be talking about something that I absolutely absolutely you know always emphasize and always say i made some rookie mistakes in the early days of my own property um investment journey and want to make sure that other people don't do the same this evening we're going to be looking at structuring portfolios and i'm joined by yaku horbela who's a the managing director at prosperity enterprise yaku good evening and thank you so much for joining us great good evening ladies and gentlemen it is absolutely great to join you on a friday evening and i'm really looking excited for what we are going to discuss tonight talking about structuring mm. and you know Yaku, you, you and i have had this conversation about structuring at different levels and how important it is uh you know to structure your property portfolio well i think it, let's start with at a high level when we talk about structuring our portfolios what exactly are we referring to so, ladies and gents, when, when we talk about structuring, we are really talking about the entities that we are using to acquire property in. Now, I always say that your structuring or the entities that you are purchasing property in is like the foundation of a building. If you have a weak foundation, everything that's going to be built on top of that um, is, is weak and is at risk. Whereas if you have a strong foundation, everything that you build on top of it is strong mm, mm, mm. and and i think you know w w before we even look at what makes 
the foundation uh, strong or um, let's perhaps start with what are some of the things that we do that makes that foundation weak? Uh, you know, I, I like getting mistakes out of the way because it's it, many of us, unfortunately, have made them. So it's the price that we've paid. Um, what are some of the things that potentially make that foundation weak when it comes to uh, structuring our portfolios and ensuring that, of course, we're able to grow and scale uh, our respective property portfolios? Ladies and gents, one of the worst things that you can do when you want to build a property portfolio is to acquire property in your own name. And as I must said, you know, that is a mistake that many of us has made. And fortunately, it's a mistake that can be rectified as well. So it's not the end of the world if, if you've started your property portfolio like that. In fact, most people, most people start their property portfolio by buying properties in their own name. But you want to make sure that you've got a strong structure that you've got trusts in place, that you've got companies in place, and that you've got the correct structure for what you want to achieve with your property portfolio. Mm-mm-mm. And that is indeed such an important one. I want to find out from you at home uh, when it comes to you know, structuring your portfolio, what were some of the things you did wrong in the beginning? Uh, I mean, I've, I've, I always share about you know, some of the mistakes that I made uh, in the early days of my own property journey and, and building my own uh, your portfolio. And I think one of the great things is being able to obviously learn from each other as a community and to make sure that other people don't make some of the mistakes that we've made. I think, uh, you know, we always say that sometimes we, we pay the school fees, or the very, very high school fees, uh, so that other people do not have to. So do share with us down below some of the mistakes that you made when it comes to structuring your portfolio very early on on your property journey. I want to find out all about it right here on the show. Now, Yaku, I think weak foundation aside, and that's of course something that none of us want. We want to make sure that we've got a strong foundation. We want to make sure that we're going to build something that's going to last and stand the test of time as much as possible. What are some of the basic fundamentals, uh, you know, before we even look at the, 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 the nuts and bolts, but at a high level, what are some of the basic fundamentals when it comes to building foundation, uh, when it comes to our property portfolios? I think it is critical that you see your property portfolio as a business because in effect, that is really what it is. And to then start asking yourself, what are the basic principles that you need to apply when you run a business? So firstly, you want to have an entity of its own for your properties. Secondly, you obviously want a bank account of its own. And thirdly, you want financials for that entity. I always use the example to say, imagine you've got a cooking and baking business and you are running this business through your savings account in between your personal incomes and expenses. And you are getting to a place where you need financing or funding for this business. Is anybody going to take you seriously? Of course not, because there's no structure to your business. But if this business wasn't an entity of its own, with its own bank account and with its own financials, suddenly the picture starts becoming clear. And that enables you then to build a significantly bigger property portfolio than what you would be able to build if it was in your own name or a significantly bigger business in this example because there's structure to your business. And ladies and gents, the exact same thing applies when it comes to property investment. You want to make sure that you are running your property portfolio like a business. 
Mm-mm-mm. And of course, that is a big sentiment that's been shared across the board uh, on this show. The different guests from you know people who run their own property businesses uh, to you know real estate agents, uh, property brokers, uh, different property practitioners have all echoed that if you're going to go down the property investment journey and looking at, of course, adding different properties, you want to make sure that you're running it from you're running it as a business from the get-go. And I think this is something that so many people, unfortunately, do not do. Uh, and when they do, they sometimes you know, catch on to it slightly too late. So as much as possible, you want to make sure that you do that early on. And of course, I want to find out from you, Yaku, then when we look at structuring portfolios, and I was saying to you, I actually want us to look at people who already have um, some properties in their books, right? And let's assume that they've got them in their personal um, capacity. We know that so many of us start our property portfolios buying it in our personal capacities. What are some of the best ways to look at um, which which entity to choose to you know to either buy future properties in or to move um, the current properties that you have? What how do we stress test uh, you know which entity we should be using and and what we should be doing with the properties that we currently have now? Thanks, Zamam. I always tell my clients when I consult with them, when we are looking at structuring, we are putting out ideals or the ideal structure or the um, ideal place for a person to be. But life is not ideal. And often we have to work with what we have and where we are at and make the best out of that. So for a moment, I just want to speak about the ideal two ways in which you can own property. Either you can own property directly in the property trust or alternatively, you can own property in a company. But then it's very important that a trust is the shareholder of the company. And the reason why that is so important is that you don't want to be the owner of that those assets, directly or indirectly. So in other words, if you own property in your own name, you own that property directly. If you own property in a company, but you are the shareholder of that company, then you still own that property indirectly because you are the shareholder. And from an asset protection perspective, that is not where you want to be. Also from an estate planning perspective, a lot of people or a lot of wealth is wiped out when people pass away when proper estate planning was not done. So you want to either have your property in a property trust or in a company with a shareholder then being a holdings trust. Now, what do you do if you already have property and it is in your own name and you now need to restructure. And this is where it's very, very important to get good advice and to get good guidance and to make sure everything is considered because in some instances, it would make sure it would make sense to restructure. Whereas in other instances, it would make sense to things, Amma, that you said that is so important is even if your structures weren't right in the beginning, you need to make sure from now going forward. Now, a lot of people think a property trust is inefficient from a tax perspective, but because of the conduit principle and the distributions that you can make to beneficiaries, you can often pay less tax in a property trust than in any other entity. As your property portfolio grows, companies automatically become more important to your structure. And that is where you would have a company or multiple companies even um, being held in a holdings trust. Now, with properties that you already own, the things that are expensive when it comes to restructuring is your capital gains tax, 
and your transfer duty. So a property that is worth less than a million is often much more affordable to restructure than a property that's worth far over a million. So that is that is one thing that one can look at. Your, your, your more affordable properties are often um, more affordable to restructure as well. And then from a capital gains perspective, if it is your primary residence or alternatively, if there has not been a lot of capital gain, it's also much more affordable to restructure. And in those incident instances, ladies and gents, I would usually recommend that one looks at moving those properties over to a property trust or alternatively to a company. We are taking your questions and comments this evening as we're looking at structuring our portfolios. I'm joined by Yaku Horbala, who's a managing director at Prosperity Enterprises. Uh, we've got uh, Martha Chilango on Facebook commenting there saying, buying an investment property in my own name, biggest boo-boo. Uh, and a question coming through that's actually linked to, to what Martha has just said. Uh, this question is coming through from our Instagram page from Lifa underscore asking why is it a mistake to buy a property in your name uh, so Yaku, why why do we keep why do we keep saying it's a boo-boo to buy an investment property uh, in our personal capacities maybe Zama, one thing that i can say before we get there is that the bigger mistake you make is to never start is never to never put your foot in the water and to never get going um, i often um compliment my clients that have started even though but the reason why you don't want to own property in your own name is twofold or, or, or two primary um, reasons that I want to focus on the first one is on the asset side and the second one is on the debt side now on the asset side you don't want to have assets on your name because if you have assets on your name it is not as well protected as if it is not in your name in other words, if something happens to you financially, and remember, ladies and gents, sometimes things go wrong, even if it is not your fault. And I've seen a lot of people lose everything that they've built up because they didn't have proper structuring in place. So from an asset perspective, you want to protect your assets. And when property is in your own name, it is not that well protected. But then, secondly, and almost more important for me, ladies and gents, is I don't want to have the debt in my name because... When the debt is in my own name and when I'm acquiring property in my own capacity, I immediately fall under the National Credit Act, which means that a certain set of rules apply and which makes it very difficult to grow beyond a certain size. So you might be able to buy your first or your second or your third property, but then you are overexposed and then it the portfolio further, even if you start using structures there. And that is why ideally you would, you would, have, you would like to have even your first property already in an entity such as a property trust or a company with a holding trust as a shareholder because there's been no assets and no debt in your name and that makes it significantly easier to bold your property portfolio beyond a certain size. I am this evening in conversation with Yaku Hwabalavis looking at structuring uh, portfolios and I think one of the big things is you want to make sure that you don't make certain rookie mistakes when, especially if your, your aim 
is to build a property portfolio. I think it's one thing if you, you know, want to obviously just buy your primary residence, maybe only have one investment property. Although you could probably say, even if you're going to have one investment property, try to use a, you know, a different entity to own it in. But you, you could probably, you can get away with, you know, having that one or maybe two in your personal capacity. But the moment you know that you're looking at uh, growing and scaling your property portfolio, then you realize that it's it's probably not a great idea to have um, those respective properties in your personal capacity. And, you know, Yaku, I think you've, you've highlighted so well um, the benefits or why we would look at, uh, you know, owning the property in different structures, um, as one of our viewers said, you know, asked, because it is one of those things that we keep commenting on that you really do want to use different creative um, methods of ownership when it comes to your property portfolio and not use your personal capacity. And I think the other big one, Yaku, of course, is the reality that we we often reach a ceiling when we're buying in our individual capacity and aren't able to leverage as as well as we typically would be if we're using other entities uh, because of course of the uh, you know the national credit act and the ability for banks to not overextend credit to us in our personal capacities and that's a very big one that i think we often don't think about when we are starting off um in the beginning wouldn't you say and, and, and that is so, so, so important is that ceiling that you reach when you start buying property in your own name, it's ex- it, it, it can become expensive to restructure. So if you can do it right from the start, then that is the ideal. I'm sure soon we'll start talking about um, when you start restructuring a property portfolio, what are the things that you need to look out for? And also, what are the advantages of, of restructuring? But as I said previously, um, for me personally, I don't even, if I know I'm going to be a property investor, I don't even want to have one property in my own name because I'm probably going to have to restructure it later and incur unnecessary expenses. Mm. And I think that's one of the things that uh, I, I almost want to say, some, some people in the beginning don't know that they're going to walk down that path uh, until, of course, the property bug bites you. And you realize that, look, this is actually something that I want to do and, and want to explore and, of course, grow uh, my your, your respective property portfolio. And when we look at the, the restructuring, um, Yaku, what would you say are just some mistakes that we must try and avoid when we restructure? Uh, because we now know that there are certainly viewers at home who have already properties that they've bought uh, in their personal capacity and perhaps are now exploring you know, the different ways, moving them, because they're, they're realizing that perhaps this isn't the, this isn't the best way uh, for me to own the particular property. What are some mistakes should we be careful of or certainly avoid when it comes to then restructuring uh, the portfolio? It's so, so important that you do your homework beforehand and that you understand what the costs are going to be to restructure. Now, I'd like to talk about the advantages and disadvantages of, of restructuring and then also about the mistakes that one should avoid. Now, for me, there are three advantages to restructuring, which are phenomenal advantages. Number one, you get the asset out of your name, which means you've got better asset protection. Now, sorry, when we speak about restructuring, we are talking about selling properties that are is in your name, properties that are in your name to your property trust or to your property company. So reason one is you get the asset out of your name, which means better asset protection and better estate planning. 
Reason number two or advantage number two is you get the debt out of your name. And when that happens, it enables you to in the medium to long term build a significantly bigger property portfolio and be able to get further financing to build that property portfolio. And then advantage number three, which a lot of people forget or miss, is the fact that you make a lot of cash potentially available by restructuring. And what I mean by that is if you have equity in your property, you can, and, and what, when we speak about it, having equity in your property, it means that the value of the property is more than the outstanding bond or the outstanding debt. Now, if you have equity in your property, you can sell that property to your property entity at market price. Your, 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 your property trust, your property company is the buyer. You are the seller. You finance it at 100% at market value in the property trust or the property company. The equity that is made available through that transaction gets paid out to you. And you make a lot of cash available now that you can use as a reserve fund and to further expand your property portfolio. And all of those are great advantages, ladies and gents, of, of restructuring. The disadvantages of restructuring, however, is the fact that it obviously comes at a cost. And that is where one of the biggest mistakes are made is there's not proper homework done on what are those costs going to be because there are transfer fees, there's transfer duties if the property is worth more than a million rand, there's new bond registration costs because remember, you can't transfer a bond. The bond is going, a new bond is going to be registered in the entity. And then there's potential capital gains tax as well. And you want to speak to someone that can give you clear guidance on what those costs are going to be in order to ensure that you understand those costs and that it makes sense for you to, to do the restructuring. Mm. More of your questions and comments at home as we look at structuring uh, our portfolios. We've got a comment here on Facebook coming through from Oponso Senior saying, Yaku's explanations are so easy to understand. Wow, thank you. Uh, and we've got a uh, comment coming through from Howard Mugatani saying, this is the one day where someone came onto the show and alluded to my exact structure. Holding trust, a holding company, and two subsidiaries. Kudos, sir. And that's quite a big one. You know, I think many, many people look at having a prop co, a hold co, uh, and sometimes, of course, even a trust. And sometimes you just start with prop co and hold co uh, before you get a trust involved because it might be the very early stages. Uh, and then we've got a question on our Facebook page coming through from Ukoteja and Ganyana asking, how does one establish a trust and how much does it cost? That's a question that we get very often. Um, now, a trust is a little bit different than a company. You don't just quickly register it, subsea, and it's generic, and you fill in a form and the trust is registered. A trust is actually a contract, which means that that contract needs to be set up very well. Now, there's three elements that you need to keep in consideration when you are choosing a service provider to assist you with your structuring. Number one, you need somebody that understands obviously the legal side because it is um, it is a legal activity taking place and and um, the legal aspect of structuring is extremely important but then just as important you need somebody that understands the accounting and the tax side of what you want to do because you want to structure your beneficiaries correctly so that you can take advantage of of the many tax advantages that they uh, that they are and then thirdly 
And, and just as important as the legal and the accounting side, you need somebody that understands property, preferably somebody that invests in property themselves, because there are so many practical things that you need to take into consideration when you are setting up a trust. And you need somebody that understands property investment to assist you with that. Now, the costs of setting up a trust is not as much as people think, as long as you do your homework properly and you make sure that you speak to the right service providers. And a trust can be, uh, it will differ from, from service provider to service providers. Certain service providers would ask up to 10,000 Rand plus for a trust registration. Other service providers would ask as little as less than 5,000 Rand to set up a trust. But in the same breath, make sure that whichever service provider you use is reputable and actually understands property investment because that is what you want to achieve with your structuring. Mm. And that's such an important one, uh, Yaakum. I mean, we talk about having a power team and the importance of that power team. And of 